Hello and welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Awaza. Awaza is well known for their line of outdoor pond and water garden products and are now stepping into the indoor aquatics market. Their lineup includes products like the internal BioPlus filters and external Biomaster canister filters. Both lines of filtration offer models with heater integration to help you declutter your tank and show off your plants and fish. Awaza also has a great selection of aquariums in their BioOrb line. Their BioOrb Cube Aquarium actually won the award for best aquarium product at the SuperZoo trade show. So check out these great products and more by clicking on the links in the show notes. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Tuesday, May 21st, 2019. My guest today is Robert Bennett. Hello. Robert is the, oh, you're, you're talking during my intro. <laughs> it's all right, we'll, we'll, we're gonna keep that in there. <laughs> Robert Bennett is the general manager at Aquarium Co-op. Uh, he is a he's a good friend I can say now uh, since I've been with the co-op and very very knowledgeable and he's a recent celebrity now doing the the, the new face of the unboxings on the Aquarium Co-op YouTube channel. So Robert, uh, thank you very much for coming on the Aquarius podcast and welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward. Yeah. So typically that's how that's supposed to work. We do the bio <laughs> and then the guest says something, but that's totally all right. So yeah, uh, what is, well now before we say that, let, let's let's build it up a little bit more. So yeah, you were, um, how long have you been the general manager at Aquarium Co-op? Uh, Corey has brought me in, I think Or at least the store manager. Well, no, I came in as a store manager uh, 2016 of August. Uh, okay. Like he brought me in specifically to become the manager and so he could do what he's doing now. That was kind of what he was laying it out. It didn't quite happen right away for him to do the travels, but um, I guess we just go right into like how it came to be like yeah sure like uh, I guess yeah because you you were kind of the number one customer yeah I was kind of the number one customer I was Mr. Moneybags coming in <laughs> what, what we call the whale out there in the sales world uh, you know you let these guys do whatever they want to want to do in the shop you know just, uh, so I would come in like probably every like Wednesday or Thursday typically was my days off um, when I, at the time I was working at Little Caesars Pizzeria you know what I call my dark years <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I actually saw so how I came across was I just remember one day my mom was like, Hey, there's a, in the, back when newspapers were a thing, uh, there's an article about this really cool fish shop down in Edmonds. You should check it out maybe on your next day off. And I was Cause like, you were in, you're in Muckleteo, right? I live in Muckleteo. Okay. Yeah. And so for those that don't know, uh, Muckleteo to Edmonds, that's kind of like two towns over, but towns here are very compressed together. Yeah, so, so like 20 miles, like yeah, kind of okay. north. Or no, actually not even that, it's 13 miles, I think, from yeah. like door to door. So not, not far at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was not too long out of college, just kind of working on, you know, I was starting to like get back into the hobby on everything. Starting to like build up my my empire is what I call it. <laughs> and <laughs> Your fish tank empire. Well, at that time it wasn't really fish tank. I think it was mainly reptiles I was keeping. I okay. had like maybe a fish tank or two, okay. uh, at, I think at that point. And it was whatever I had from college. You know, that was like total bro stuff, like an Oscar. <laughs> and I think I caught like a bass, like I was fishing for. And I caught like a little baby bass. I had like my 55 gallon fish tank. I had like, the, you know, the bass was going too huge. Oh man. Well, I don't, I, so I don't think you actually listen to the podcast, which is fine. I'm not going to yeah. be offended. You live in, you live and breathe fish. So yeah. the idea that you would actually consume a fish podcast on your downtime <laughs> seems maddening. But yeah. if you want to listen, cool. No worries. But I relate the Oscar to like the classic Americana, uh, like having a Trans Am in your garage. Yes. Like if you had I an was, Oscar in a 55, uh, yeah. like you nope, had a Trans Am in your driveway. It was Oscar. It was, uh, it was like muscle fish, monster fish. 
Um, you can kind of almost classify, but not everyone's like that. But uh, I was definitely would have been that classified kind of guy. Like, oh, this guy's coming in. He wants the cool big stuff. So I'm kind of building up around that time, like working. Uh, when I was doing my job, I was looking for like the cool monster fish. Anyway, so I kind of I come out and check the shop out, and I liked it. And I was like, that's a pretty cool, clean run shop. And but he didn't have monster fish. Then, no, no, he we didn't. Still don't but have but I think what I first I think I wanted to like get into like shrimp. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was just seeing it there, but I feel like it was one of my friends was telling me, oh, we should play with shrimp. They're kind of cool. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll do a nano tank. And I thought like the little idea of a planted nano tank would be sweet. So, yeah, I went to PetSmart and I bought like the top fin five gallon kit found out the light bulb sucks and the filter is way too powerful so i'm like i'm i'm like starting to like piece together stuff and so i'm buying it from Corey's. and, and i remember was back when Corey was actually in the in shop in the shop uh-huh. and i don't even i don't know if the qt room was really built out it was different from what the qt room you know it now or the nice kind of acrylic stuff okay like i think he used those um widescreen slim tanks that aquion makes interesting okay. like a 12 gallon but they're super tall but like they're like eight inches front to back in depth huh. Uh, but I remember buying, and I still have it. It's not doing anything now, but it was a four-gallon cube tank. And right when I had that, put that next level five-gallon tank, and I was trying to do plants and shrimp, and I failed miserably out of both. <laughs> why, do you, why do you think you failed miserably? What do you think was um, going on? Well, I think it was because I ran a huge ray <laughs> over the five-gallon tank, so it was just way too much light. Okay. And I was putting the Java fern in the ground, the Nubius is in the ground. And I remember nice. fighting algae like crazy. And... You know, I was, going, I was using the Seachem fertilizer and just totally confused on how to do what and what. And did I refrigerate this? The four-gallon tank actually did okay. It was like some Brigitte Rasboras and Blue Velvets. It got like a little bit of that light bar uh, fed into that tank. I and mean, it was just like a perfect amount. So that tank did all right. Interesting. But I ended up like, you know, like usual, I, I go on to the next thing and, you know, the tank gets occupied with something else. And, and those tanks are no longer operational. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I would just kind of come in every about Wednesday, kind of like to check out, see what he had. And I was buying blackworms, but I mainly went there. I was kind of like the old guy going to the cafe. I just wanted to shoot the bull. You know, <laughs> going there, and I wanted to talk reptiles of Lamont. And there were a few times where I'm like, I don't really want to talk to Corey. I want to talk to Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> but then I would talk to Corey about fish. Like, I felt like I found Lamont, and I, I was like, hey, he was, he, I mean, he was a good guy. I, mean, I still like him. I wish I could talk to him. So. Lamont, if you're listening, Robert wants to chat with you on reptiles. <laughs> but I would usually want to talk to Corey with fish and Lamont with reptiles. Okay. And, you know, sometimes if I got the joy of both of them, it was sweet. But I would be the dude standing around there for like an hour or two. Yeah, so you, you were the guy when I would come in on the weekend with my son who, you know, was, let's say, a year, year and a half at that time going into a, a tropical fish store when it's 80 degrees in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got this, you know, less than a toddler or even when he was at, at toddler age, like you're trying to get help, you're just trying to get some cardinal tetras and a plant yeah. and get out of there. And we've got somebody like you chatting it up, which, well, which is which is which yeah. I, I'm torn on that because I, I think a fish shop should be an inviting place. Yeah. It should be a welcome and place. Sometimes I do get to customers like that where I'm like, man, was I like that? But uh, I actually, mm-hmm. I mean, I do remember like I'd let people uh, not get customers like that. Mm-hmm. And I, if I saw a group of people, I'm like, hey, no, go, go ahead and help them. I'll just kind of lurk off in the back mm-hmm. corner. And I kind of soak up a little bit what I, you know, was watching what they were doing and listening yeah. in. Yeah, I, I mean, be... conversation with people is, mm-hmm. is fun. Like even if you're, 
in a, in a sales to customer capacity, I may leave it as an Easter egg one day exactly what industry I was in, but I, I did sales for almost a decade, and that, that's what put me through college was commission sales. And beyond the actual just trying to sell somebody something, like there's some just really good conversation you mm -hmm. can have with people. And so, you know, there's really nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, if, and if the fish store is going to kind of be this barbershop place where you can come in yeah, and just <laughs> have some good conversation around a specific hobby or a specific topic, like, you know, nothing wrong with that. I just wish on the weekend, you know, and it's and it's going to be a struggle. Like we're probably never going to be able to find this balance, but overstaffing so that we can have let people have that barbershop experience, yeah. but then also help people that just need to get in. They just need to get some sinking wafers they're, they're and trying some to catch the ferry. I get that quite a bit. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got the ferry system here, and we're down the road from the ferry, and people that are going to take that public ferry in their car across the water, right? Like the, it runs on a schedule, so people that don't know the ferry system, like you know, that, that that's a whole thing, right? Yeah. Public transportation. So it's like trying to catch an airplane, I guess, yeah. if you're in the Midwest. Um, <laughs> so so let's take it a step back even further. Like, how did you get started? Like, when was the first time you actually kept a fish tank? Uh, well, I was I was born to a household with a fish tank, so my dad was keeping stuff um, mm. when I was little. So I remember, and I still have um, a fond memory of this tank, and I kind of want to buy one. It was a hexagon tank. I, I don't remember what the exact dimensions, but I would say it had to be like a 20 gallon tank. So that's a tank I grew up with, like metal stand, air pump, hexagon tank, kind of like lightly planted, and it probably had a few tetras and corridors. Like and live plants? I remember my dad buying live plants. Nice. Um, and I think we went to like fake plants when I kind of took over, but uh, so my dad, you know, he passed away when I was young, and probably a little bit of a period where my mom was trying to take care of the tank, and I was just too young for it, because you know, I was you know, four or five. And so I kind of actually kept reptiles. First grade, I think I got my first like lizard, and I don't think I really got fully back into the fish game. I think we kind of like mm -hmm. pieced together a tank, if I remember in my head, like from that period. I think my mom was kind of doing, but I remember getting my own actual fish tank was not even really a fish tank. You know those pen pal containers? Oh, the like critter keepers. The, yeah, the critter keepers. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was that, and I think I had a Jack Dempsey in it. Oh, jeez. Yeah, oh, with those no. little pin plaques, you know, replaceable cartridges that you buy at like Fred Meyer's or like Walmart. They're what is it? What, they, what they were mean? like they'd be cool if you could pop them open, but I don't think you could ever pop them open. It was like sponge on one end and it had carbon on the other end, and it went into this kind of like aqua green little clip-on piece and it would suction cup to the side of the tank and it was air powered. Huh, okay. They actually were kind of, if I recall, like a decent little filter. You'd buy like a little two-pack replacement okay. for like not much. I've seen them occasionally. At, it's usually like Fred Myers, like is where I see it. That's kind of a- I've got a laptop in front. I'm curious. We're so gonna, folks, we're uh, Fred Myers would be like your your mega, it'd be like your grocery, your one-stop grocery store. It's like a super Walmart. Super Walmart, yeah. but like nicer. Because <laughs> it's owned by Kroger. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I had that, and I remember we went to this place. Uh, it was I lived in Omaha, and it was called Earl May, and that's where I went and kind of bought a lot of my first fish. And the lady there was like, "No, that's the wrong tank. You got to get a bigger tank." So it's probably it's probably one of these guys, one of these little like totally. It's that one right there in the middle. Um, the the double one or this guy right here? The middle point. The single one, yeah, single one. Okay, so it's like a. It looks like the top. Like the top piece to an under gravel filter. Yeah. Where you see the exposed charcoal, and then you, you're saying that there's a, a filter underneath it. So it looks like it's a one by three inch kind of rectangular piece of plastic with filter media yeah, inside. Yeah. So of I it. think it was a mechanical and, and it uh, actually, chemical. The, on the packaging for this Penplax product, like it actually shows that critter keeper on the card. Yeah. On the so I think that we were just kind of like, hey, that probably made yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how it's being marketed to you. So. Yeah. So I was keeping, you know, like, that's how I kept everything. Like, I was doing, you know, 
African clawed frogs I would keep in that kind of stuff. And I think I procured, like, around that time a five-gallon uh, hexagon tank. But anyway, the lady was like, no, this tank's way too small. So uh, I remember for Christmas that year, my mom's like, oh, I'm going to give you a bigger tank. And what she gave me, she gives me a tank-gallon. Nice. But that's a monster tank to me when I was a little sure, know, kid. Sure, So it was, you know, with the undergravel plate and the heater. It was one of those heaters that didn't go fully anti. I had to like, actually stay a little bit above the water. I don't know if you remember those guys, but uh, I don't. I don't think I ever used one of those now. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's how I kind of kept my, my Jack mm-hmm. Dempsey until we moved up here. I, I gave them off, you know, to to some pet shop when we moved. But uh, and how was, long? How many years was this that you had your Jack Dempsey? I, I had him like for several years. Wow. I think I grew him up like I would say decent for a ten gallon tank, but my head, I, I want to say he was at least six inches. Yeah. Granted, they should be like a foot, but. I say ten gallon for a little kid doing another ten gallon tank. Do you awesome. remember what your water schedule routine was like back then? Terrible, <laughs> terrible. Okay, uh, I probably topped it off weekly, and I remember monthly I would clean the thing. But I didn't understand how you clean the gravel filters. Uh, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't gravel back. I would just rip everything out and like wash it oh, in for the sure. bathtub. Yep. yep. Amazing, my fish didn't die. No, no, that is such a constant theme of people that I've interviewed. Where they're like, yeah, man, when I was a kid, like the things that we were doing with the tank, yeah. and myself included. There was the once a year, there was the annual strip down of yep. our 55 but gallon I, I tank. I think I was doing it like monthly for that guy. Okay. Uh, but I'd always be like, well, why isn't my other stuff like living? Mm-hmm. But I, I started like piecing together like a couple of, like I was still keeping those critter keepers. So I'd ha- I probably had like three or four like little fish tanks when I was uh, grade school through middle school. Mm-hmm. One was like a brackish tank and Omaha, I'd go out to the ponds and, you know, catch tadpoles, uh, little baby bullheads, like little catfish. So I'd keep those and those, those guys and... Mm-hmm. You should raise them up, and I'd either give them to a friend who had a pond, or I'd just dump them back into the pond when I was a kid and go collect the next thing. No, that's cool. So that was kind of like my entry into the the you know aquatic keeping, mm-hmm. and definitely doing the brackish kind of got me interested in doing saltwater. So I was mm-hmm. infatuated with going into a saltwater tank going into high school. Oh yeah. So go, going back to the reptile thing, I feel like if you have like if you're keeping reptiles or amphibians like you already have it kind of ingrained in your dna that you could transition and also be an, an aquarist being a totally. fish keeper and i don't even know if that was even a thought i think it was just like well of course i have to have a fish tank mm-hmm. next to the like the, the lizard tank or something yeah. like that you know but i think for fish like i don't remember ever like targeting out like really wanting a fish or something like that i feel like people come in in the shops and they kind of know what they want unless they're completely blind coming in and they're just like hey we just want to keep a fish and tell me what to do but i i think i just kind of went in like yeah i'll, I'll get like three of those mm-hmm. you know, like black widow tetras or something like that how, how often does that play out where you're in the store and somebody comes in like a family or a, a, like whoever it is whatever the customer mm-hmm. is whatever the demographic they come in and just say hey never kept a fish tank before i want to keep one now Every Saturday. Every Saturday. Every okay. Saturday. So, like, those Vista tanks, that's that's usually what they're getting sold for. Okay. Um, it's it's some kind of either combination, either, like, kid want to fish at a fair or possibly one from school, or the ki- parents want to get the kids used to keeping something. Uh, but that's about every weekend I have one or two of those kind of customers. And how does that play out? Like, how does that customer interaction play out with you kind of showing them what they need to get? Um... I, Usually pretty good, and they're never really shocked. I kind of tell them up front, like ten gallon tank, um, average cost is going to be about two hundred fifty bucks. You know, for buying everything, uh, and usually your your cost will be all up front. And if you want to go bigger, um, it's going to be a little bit more. And so that I, Vista kit's got everything. It's got water conditioner. It's got the aqua clear. It's got lights. It's got yeah. Um, like and then if you got the sixteen and twenty three gallon, you get the heater. So it's like okay. a perfect deal. The eight point five is kind of a little weird with not having the heater. 
but that usually makes it a little easier uh, for for like a transaction happening because it's basically what I call plug and play stuff. You just need to go home with your substrate. Um, because we are very a plant focused shop, you know, get some uh, get them a few easy plants. I call like plug in and forget kind of plants like crypts or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you know, come see me a week later with a water sample, and we should be ready to go. Mm -hmm. And then I like to take it easy when they come in. Um, you don't send them home with uh, with some fish and a bottle of uh, beneficial like bacteria. Beneficial bacteria. No, 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 no. <laughs> there have been a few times where they have the fish. Like, my fish might be in the car. Like, they won the bet, and we we got to make this work. Um, oh, nice. So that's always a little difficult. Um, luckily, those always seem to turn out all right from what I could tell. Mm -hmm. I think the bettas are just luckily a hardy fish that could kind mm -hmm. of handle some of the abuse. Yeah. Uh, I love when I go into the store, uh, when I go shop side, and I see, you know, the dad or the mom or both, and they're in there with their young kids, and, like, the whole family's excited to be in yeah. there. Like, that's like that's one of the greatest things, I think, for, for this hobby. Like, something that just really, you know, gives me such great hope is to see how positive, you know, how positive the reactions are from everybody in the family. And yeah. it's not like, typically, it's not like there's just one mopey person. Maybe they left the mopey child in the car. But, like, when they're in the store, they're so excited. And, oh, they're just looking at all the different fish. And, you know, they're so enthralled with the plants and the, the you know, the, the clawed frogs and the snails that we have and shrimp and, you know, the whole nine yards. Like, they're just really getting into the experience and that that makes me super happy to see that and it's, it's it goes two ways it's either the kid really gets into it and i love those customers i love working with the kids um you know like when, you're, when they're like little eight-year-olds you're like hey how's your day how are you doing in school right now mm -hmm. like what are you what's going on in your tank oh your bed is you know miss princess bella or something like that <laughs> uh where you have to tell them the bed is a female but the parents know different um or it goes the other thing where the parents get super into it and you could see the dad and the mom kind of like all right we got the 10 gallon tank down there in the studio the 55 is going in there that's awesome and they want to take over and it, it, it's either one way or the other i always feel like uh, but i love seeing if they go home with the smaller kind of tank that you could kind of get the seed in the head like a hey, bigger goes a little bit better and it's kind of like well if they don't kill the thing and they could do the water changes. Let's get the bigger tank. So I love seeing that hobby kind of grow. And so when when it comes time to fish selection, and maybe even plant selection, but more so fish, are you vicariously living through them in terms of this is this is Robbie's mm. flavor of the week fish? <laughs> like no. those like those pie tetras. You're like, yeah, man, this this is the fish for you. You're starting <laughs> out. This thing's awesome because I know you, you you were really digging those. No, they're the super unboxing. cool. And I saw the last few like there it is. I'm waiting to get those back or, on the list. Or you just like I, I've got to send them home with some neon tetras. Uh, it's like, usually gotta, neon tetras. I want okay. them to go home with a good experience. I don't want to send them home with like a train wreck. Um, so well, I, yeah, well, like we don't want to, sure we don't want to send them home with a train wreck, but it's you know we could send them home with white clouds. We could send them yeah, home with no, neon. and I will give could, them. I'll walk them through. I'll be like, hey, here's like my five like easy fish and kind of like some different kind of scenarios. Like, hey, you want a little bit more aggressive? Maybe the paradise fish. Mm -hmm. um, like, you want the old school classic? You know, let's go the white clouds. We just want to go the tried and true neon tetras. And it's kind of up to them. If they're like, nah, I really want something single, then we're gonna start looking into the grammys and the bettas. Um, you know, a lot of, like every time they, everyone stops by and wants the ram, like the German blue ram. Mm -hmm. Like, nope, nope, you gotta <laughs> don't kill us off for like a month or two, and then we can start talking about the German blue ram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would consider that to be like the hardest fish we have in the shop. Um, but no, I don't. I don't try to like live through them. Like Rob's like secretly the monster fish keeper kind of guy doesn't try to like you know send them home with like an arowana or anything like that. Yeah. So. 
I was just thinking more so in like in terms of just the the color and style of the um, Tetras, right? Like yeah, no, for the I, most I, part the Tetras. Are, I, I stick to like the basics, okay. like your silver tips. I'll let them know if they're a little nippy. The black neons and the glow light Tetras. I like. I agree with Corey 100. Like throw a hammer at those things, they could live through them. Mm-hmm. So definitely recommend get them on the first their, their first go. I want the to be a happy yeah go. I've got my uh, my buddy right now that uh, I work with at one of the aerospace companies that I was at and. Um, you know, I'm, 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 he went from just kind of being a casual watcher of, to, of the Aquarium Co-op YouTube channel when I um, had left my previous job and joined um, the co-op. And, you know, he and I kept in touch. We've kept in touch for several years now. And he started checking out the videos. And, you know, it's just, I think he, he watches like five or six channels and they're all over the place with all of his various interests that he has. And one of them is the fish tank thing. And the only fish tank they had was a small bed bowl for their daughter. And I don't think the family had much interest in it, unfortunately, that the fish had passed that away. Too. But now like he is just so invigorated and like charged up to get a fish tank. And so I've got him, I've steered him in the direction of a 29 gallon tank and you know, it's gonna be planted, yada, yada. He knows where he's gonna put it. He's super excited. Corey actually addressed one of his live streams to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it kind of the well, he framed it as you know how to help somebody get into the hobby. Yeah, um, and one of the struggles I have right now with him is you know it's it's definitely something that he wants it to be a family activity and his young daughter you know it's what do you want in there and she's like I love puffers yeah. I love snails I love shrimp and it's like no, <laughs> no. like you can't like you can't, <laughs> you can't do that and it's like can I oh can I do this combination this combination and it, and it's like a text you know a couple times a week can I do this can I do that yeah. you know like it's still the same twist on the same variant of what you're talking about like no you can't do that and so it's um, it, it's you know, you've got this excitement of somebody coming fresh into the hobby but it's also trying to give them that that advice where you really hope Hope that you know they're they're going to take it, and I think uh, he he will um, uh, at least unless he goes you know rogue and goes somewhere <laughs> else. But I'll, I'll show you a picture of him. So when he comes in, you'll you'll never sell him a snail on one day, and then some dwarf puffers <laughs> the next. <laughs> I definitely have gotten that a few times where they're like you know they're going through like some people what I, I guess you'd call it like grocery shop list. You know they're going like oh give me this 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 and like that's weird. They got snail shrimp now. They're talking pea puffers and you're like <laughs> all right. I don't want to be too nosy, but like, is this going to the same thing? Right. And they're like, no, 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 no. And you're always like, half of you're like, oh, you're just, you're, you're screwing with me. You, just, <laughs> you know, you got caught and you're still trying to go home with this, but I mean, I can't. It was what we call, uh, you warn them and you could always issue the speeding ticket later is what we call it. Yeah. And well, it's one of those, like, on average, this will probably not work, not work out. out. But you may have read or you may have watched or you may even experience that minority, that sliver of, mm-hmm. man, my pea puffers and my well, mystery snails are best friends. Well, and for the longest time, uh, we actually had a shrimp hanging out, and I think in the pea puffer tank, it was just like a clear uh, total, what they call like a coal cherry shrimp, mm-hmm. hanging out in the puffer. You just kind of dipped down in the filter, and I think eventually it was eaten once you molted, but yeah. uh, I saw it there in the shop one time. We had it going for about six months, I think. So yeah. I've seen it work. <laughs> well, with my with my beta, I had um, ghost shrimp in there, and, I'm, yeah. and for the first like month, n- it was all hunky dory. Everything was fine. All the ghost shrimp were there. And went psycho. And then all of a sudden, one day, he, well, just, he flipped the switch and started well, and started getting down. Those uh, those really nice sleek uh, little three gallon tanks we brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, I put I put one of those bettas that came in on this last shipment in there, and I noticed all my cherry shrimp went down, and the algae was starting to build up, and it's, he went rogue and murdered off all the cherry shrimp. He's left the mono shrimp alone, but yeah, just one by one took down like seven, eight nice looking cherry shrimp. So I was like. I, Oh man, good times. So, what is uh, uh, since we're talking about you know customers coming into the store, what are like the most common 
pieces of advice that, that you find yourself giving? Um, patience is one of them. Uh, like, especially like if they're, if they're building a tank, if like, especially if we're staying on top of like a new customer, it's, it's patience. Don't rush this. Um, and yes, you're going to have some hardships here and there, but that's, that's just part of the hobby. You have to kind of earn your stripes there. You know, it's like people ride motorcycles, they, you know, they, they drop their bike at some point. It's, it's going to happen. I disagree with that. I've never dropped a motorcycle. <laughs> I've crashed dirt bikes, crashed different dirt story, bikes. Okay. but I've never dropped my road this, bike. This is spring season, Robert's been watching like motorcycle videos and talking motorcycle videos. But uh, anyway, I feel like you're all going to have the allergy issue or you you know, you brought too many fish at some point. That's why I try to teach patience. Um, take it in one week at a time, especially that's kind of fun if you have a kid coming into this hobby, kind of gives you an excuse to come to the store every week. That's actually, you know, that's actually really good. So instead of getting everything all at once, instant gratification, mm -hmm. if, you, if you practice that patience, you can then reward yourself by having an adventure to your local fish store, you know, mm -hmm. every week or every other week and, and actually picking something up. It works out. As far as I can tell, it, it seems to work out. So for, you know, week one, well, let's just say like week one, they buy the tank and mm -hmm. the plants and they set it up and they come back a week later and... Uh, what about a snail? Would you at least let them take a mystery snail home with their new tank? Not necessarily. I, I prefer not to. No, uh, now now, I understand that sometimes hitchhikers might come in on the plants, but mm -hmm. I try to, if I can, to keep any actual like live organism I'm charging you for, okay. uh, size a plant going home on the first week. Uh, just because I don't want to deal with the mess of, like, oh, man, this ammonia spike murdered off, like, four mystery snails. Mm -hmm. and just... You know, kind of uh, something I just, as a manager, you just don't want to deal with that refund or that apology. Sure. Um, so I really try to preach, like, wait a week. And I like to do, like said, like neon tetras, for example. Like, all right, let's say let's say they're using a 20-gallon tank. Let's just take it easy because, you know, the test strips, you know, might, sometimes you could clearly tell the tank cycle. Sometimes you're like, I'm not 100% sure because you don't know if they're following their instructions. So we'll just take it easy the first week. In that case, I say, let's go home with five to eight neon tetras and we're gonna call it good um, and see how they do for the week and the next week you like these guys we'll add more or maybe you want you'll notice some food collecting on the bottom we'll go get the corridoras and then i like the cleaning crew like the algae eaters by week three mm -hmm. and plecos and maybe week four because that's a perpetual poop machine so mm -hmm. we don't really need that be bomb in their tank mm -hmm. Um, week one. What about um, how's the goby been for you? Because I know you said for for an algae eating fish, you've really been digging on the was it ornate, ornate goby? Yeah, well, I've, I've been liking gobies for the past like year and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. uh, I've kind of noticed them, you know, eating algae, and in that setup, that ornates certainly the ornates have been selling really mm -hmm. well. But if you watch them, if you give that tank like five minutes of watching, you'll see that guy. Mm -hmm grubbing along on the leaves and yeah. munching on stuff and, and i think so just you just you explaining that right like how how you've observed um how the goby is is something that for the past year you've enjoyed as an algae eater like that experience is so unique to somebody that works in a fish store right mm -hmm. like you are a home hobbyist you have your own tastes and preferences for your home aquariums but just being exposed to the sheer volume of fish and the, and the variety that we sell at Aquarium Co-op, like you have been immersed in all of these different types of fish and fish that you would never personally keep, you know, in your entire lifetime as an aquarist. Like you are now being exposed to them and you're seeing all of their, you know, quirks and traits and all of these things that I think is just so fascinating. Yeah. It's like that's, that's such a unique experience. Yeah, and that's uh, personally if you, and why winners you might, 
if you're watching unboxing videos, you're like, oh man, he's always going with weird stuff. That's because it's something I want to play with. You know, I, I see Tetras every day. You know, Robert Robert wants to go home and play with a, a cichlid, something mm-hmm. I can't have in the shop. And yeah. So the basic angelfish, so just so I can kind of experience and learn something from it. Mm-hmm. How have how have your personal tastes in what you keep? Um, how have they evolved from the Jack Dempsey? Um, like if you were to high level kind of track, like oh yeah, these are the kind of fish that I've been interested in since the Jack Dempsey. I, I definitely African cichlids, um, just because they have kind of a unique personalities, and I'm really infatuated with like Lake Tanganyika. And I, I was playing with them a little bit back in high school days, but I didn't really know what I was doing and I wasn't really reading up on them so much, uh, but just learning Lake Tanganyika's, um, how each fish kind of has its own job duty. Hmm. So that's kind of a fun thing to have and setting a tank up where like, yes, this guy, he claims the rocks, that's his thing. He darts in and out of the rocks. This guy wants to be in the shell. This guy's hanging out up in the upper level. So it's kind of like playing with cichlids and setting up a community tank like you would with tetras where you'd have like in, in some kind of corridors where you're like corridors at the bottom kind of guys like your shell dwellers and you know like your neon tetras are kind of darting in and out of the plants like the guys out of the rocks and you got your hatchet fish on top. But it's just playing with a little bit different fish. Uh, being a cichlid, not all are huge. Um, and you know, they certainly got that awesome color, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the Malawis. Uh, why I've played with monster fish for chance? That was probably just a teenager kid. Like, I'd have all my buddies like on my street come in when I was, uh, I was having a fish that I don't know how the pet store had it, but I was totally missold it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was a gar. It was. Nice. I thought I was going home with a South American needlefish, and I remember. <laughs> Put it in my tank. Oh, I'm gonna Google image South American needlefish <laughs> so, yeah, relative it, to a gar. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I thought I had a needlefish, and it shows you how much I was doing my research. I was doing buying stuff impulse. Man, those are kind of a weird fish. So I'm going through the book. I had like this old 1980s fish book. And I'm I mean, like, I guess I, I guess I can see the gar needlefish. Doesn't look like a needlefish, and I find <laughs> out I have some kind of long nose gar. Like it was a baby, mm-hmm. and. So I had that for like a few months before it totally got too big for the tank and just like any big fish in little tanks, it doesn't end well. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like you, I was definitely all about the, the monster fish. I think, oh God, where did he come from? My Oscar. I think it came from like the local new PetSmart that, that was in the, the shopping center by my house. Um, it was either the PetSmart or I might even got purchased my Oscar from Walmart. Because I, uh, I, like, I lived around some Walmarts, yeah. well, the Walmarts in California, the ones I grew up around, they actually have the aquatic section. Um, and you know, say what you will about it, that's you know, I've, I've definitely, I've definitely purchased fish from Walmart. Well, some people, um, that's all you have. I think you go to like, some places like North Dakota or something. Yeah, like that. that's probably your is your fish shop. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely where my Oscar um, had had either yeah Walmart or PetSmart, but you know just. Bigger, larger, kind of wet pet fish, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, wet is, pet. It, it is it is hard when you go into a PetSmart, right? Because a lot of people, PetSmarts are in shopping centers with um, a lot of places to eat, like your Red Robin, your movie theater, and if you need to kill time and you need somewhere to go, there's it, it is it is. Are you going to go into the Joanne's Fabric or are you going to go into PetSmart if you've got a half hour to kill? PetSmart. You're, everybody's going to go into PetSmart. That's what I do. Like when I go like, to the movie theater up here in Everett, I'll go yeah. to PetSmart if it's open. Yeah, maybe two out of two percent of people will go into the Joanne's Fabric. Yeah. Everybody else is going to go into the PetSmart. Um, and when you go into the PetSmart, and if they have a fully ta- fully stocked Oscar tank, and those fish are just following you around, and you're just waving your finger around, yeah. like that is it is hard to deny 
the attraction to a little two-inch Oscar. They're cute and adorable. Like that is, <laughs> that is hard. Like I don't care who you are. That is that is a hard thing to yeah. uh, to deny. Um, and then from there it was Frontosas, and I, I I've never actually got into the um, uh, Rift Lake Cichlids beyond the fronts. But um, yeah, I mean definitely having the bigger fish and, and being somewhere somebody in two thousand and three. Uh, no, when was it? 2007? 2006, 2007 is when I got into the hobby as an adult, if you will, um, and using monster fish keepers. Like that was yeah. that was your, my online resource. And seeing yep. these guys that were building these massive cinder block tanks in their gar- in their like their basements, most of them would put like a shark in it. <laughs> but like, I mean, it, when that's what you're exposed to, like that's your number one forum that you're going to because. I think I'd probably browse a couple other forums, but you know the Monster Fish Keepers website was just so packed with pictures that you're just immersing yourself in all of this awesomeness. I think it's um, actually a pretty. I mean, I have been on it for a while, but it, it seemed like a few years ago it wasn't a bad form. I think for a fish format, like they had. I think it still exists. I think it, it's still it, a thing. it still exists. Yeah, and I always thought it like was. Not bad, Ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you get into what they have, like they call like the quote unquote fish Nazis out there. Oh, uh, so like you got the Erwan, and you mentioned you have it in the 180. Like everyone has the Erwan. I feel like in the 180, uh, just because space wise, no one has the 240s and the 500s. Like at least that's a small fraction of people. Most people are throwing way smaller tanks. So if they those guys say they have it in there, um, they're they're getting like ripped apart on the forum. That's kind of I think that's a little bit of the downfall of some of the forums. Yeah. Um, yeah, where people just kind of get pretty cruel on there. Yeah. Well, now they just live in the in the comment section of YouTube yeah. videos and yeah. all sorts of other stuff. Speaking of which, so since you started doing the unboxings and you're kind of the new face of the unboxings, and I think you do a fantastic job at it. I think you um, you bring a lot of you know additional insight. Again, that kind of store manager level insight uh, to the unboxings. I think they're fantastic. Um, have you been surprised by any of the comments that, that uh. you've? That you've read? Um, I try not to, like, if they're getting a little cruel, I don't really want to read them too much. I think I'm a little too, like, ah, I don't want to get ripped today. Uh, so I saw someone some, didn't like the comedy action or whatever. Yeah. But, there's some mean, I, but there's some mean stuff out there, though. Yeah, there's yeah. some mean stuff. I definitely say, oh, I think it was one where Corey and I were doing the import order, and it was like, someone was like, oh, I bet if it was a $20 bill, he would have picked it up. And it, it was a rock, but people... What, they like, think it was They a thought it was fish? a Corridor or something like that. Yeah, I do open some of my bags a little weird. Yes, I've adjusted it since then. Um... But, you know, we're not trying to be, like, stupid or mean on it when unbagging a fish into yeah. a tank. But some people got pretty nasty on there Yeah. Um, for whatever reason. But I think that's just, you know, that's what, unfortunately, this day and age, people behind a keyboard mm-hmm. can, like, unleash. And they know, like, I'm not coming over there to, yeah. like, correct them. Like, I don't even have an account on YouTube, yeah. so I'm not even going to, like... Yeah, but on a on a more positive kind of surreal note, I guess people are now coming into the store. And oh yeah, like, so that's that's <laughs> cool. So I do like that, and I do like you know, like anybody when they're like, oh, I like this, like they, I like Robert. I'm so glad he's on there. I'm like, yeah, sure, it makes my day. And it, I, I still will remember probably, I guess, till the day I die. Um, assuming like I keep building any kind of this fame, getting asked for that first autograph, like that was that's awesome, a surreal moment. <laughs> I had to do my second one. Jimmy caught me the other day. Some kid wanted my autograph too, uh, but like first one, I thought a lot of people for whatever reason think I'm Corey <laughs> in the shop. So I was like, they're like, oh, I like you. I was like, oh, I'm not Corey. I'm like, oh, I know, you're Robert. And they're like, oh, like, well, can we get an autograph? And I think I was like. Okay, but I'm not Corey. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I was only in, like, at that point, like, two or three unboxings had started. Uh-huh. But someone was already infatuated with, you know, the way I was doing them. So, 
Hopefully I can keep that train going. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I think uh, I, I think it's this cool glimpse of even before joining the the co-op team, that was probably one of my favorite things to actually watch was just the unboxings. And I I don't know what it is about it. I really don't. I mean, maybe it's just, um, again, kind of living vicariously. Like we all wish that we could just, you know, in our collections on a, on a weekly basis, open up four or five boxes mm. of just all these different fish. And so it's, it's kind of like living vicariously as a fish keeper, multiple tank syndrome. It feels like Christmas. Yeah. Like, you're, you know, it's like the ultimate Amazon delivery. Yeah, every like, Thursday is a Christmas day for me, uh, especially for those unboxings. And just because, A, since I'm running the shop, I want something always a little different every unboxing if I can, mm -hmm. um, just to bring a little spice to the shop and... Assuming the fish vendors are, you know, allowing me to do that. Some, sometimes they have a little bit of a weak ordering list. But if it's a good ordering list, I always try to bring something cool in there. And I also want the, you know, the world to see it. And mm -hmm. hopefully we have, like, cool B-roll footage. So uh, some people might be... What I guess what I'm trying to shoot for is someone who might be interested in that fish out there. Maybe they're just trying to find some kind of video before they go plunk down money on that critter. At least they have something they could kind of like oh they have it there and i could hopefully maybe add some bit of my information to it um just to maybe influence them on mm -hmm. their decisions yeah i think even you know as we talked about the tetras before if with your experience you're able to share that oh yeah that's a nippy fish yeah like that's huge mm -hmm. you know like it's a great looking tetra whatever it may be but it's a nippy fish and you're like, oh man, I didn't, you know, I was kind of going through this various, you know, fish base or whatever online resource you're using and you're, you're kind of image shopping for a new fish that you want to get for your tank and to hear that context that maybe that's not being shared online from somebody and that, it, and, it's, and it's information again, and I really want to emphasize that it's somebody that has probably handled in some capacity hundreds of this species as opposed to, oh yeah, I had five rummy nose tetras once. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an expert on it. Yeah. And also, if I can, if, if Jimmy's doing his job getting the B-roll, um, what the fish actually looks like. Because, you know, obviously, if I type in a name, look, look I'm looking at your wall here, Flowerhorn. Uh, those are all, like, exceptionally great photos. And if I were to take one of those names and look that up, I'm probably going to see nothing but exceptionally great photos and probably some poopy ones. And let's say we go on YouTube, you're going to have someone probably keeping that fish. Like, the cool videos are going to get all the hits. It's going to come up on the search. It's probably someone keeping it in, like, the best fish tank situation possible. Um, and we'll use the Tetris, for example. Maybe they have, like, those pie Tetris I brought in in a tannic water setup. But our tanks at the shop aren't going to be quite tannic. So this is going to be more like what you're going to bring home to kind of give that idea of what reality is mm -hmm. rather than just, like, a slice of what a perfect situation is. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm kind of aiming for, hopefully, in unboxing videos and B-roll. Hopefully, I mean, Jimmy takes a good photo, but not something that's, like, Photoshopped, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what are some fish that you wish you could bring into the shop? <laughs> um, like, if we could build out, if we could build out a little section that was just dedicated yeah. for you. Uh, no, I, I would like to kind of, I actually wouldn't mind having a little bit of, of, of the cichlid market. Um, that because that is a market and it, South American are we talking both probably okay. just a little bit of both not something too crazy but if I could have like six tanks to each like six tanks to a South American six tanks to an African mm -hmm. wouldn't have to be crazy so you know, whoever's running that area wouldn't be like overwhelmed but that is a market that we do kind of miss out on a little bit and it does kind of suck the I could talk their ear off and give them every information. Maybe if we're patient enough, we could do an order on, but generally they're just going on to the next pet shop to go buy, you know, their fish and mm -hmm. hopefully they have a good experience out of it. Maybe mm -hmm. they do, maybe they don't. 
Uh, but I would love to uh, capture a bit of that market and also just bring a little bit more joy for me because then I get to play with something in the store that mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd really want to bring in like the Oscars and like the giant, you know, fish. Um, so you would you would still want to bring in cichlids that would say would all fit within a forty gallon? Like you would? Yeah, I would, think that'd be a perfect. Okay. Yeah, yeah, something like I wouldn't want to bring in like wolf cichlids. Um, Unless it's for yourself. Unless it's for myself. Uh, I mean, like, Oscars, it's like, yeah, they're adorable, but in reality, would I really want to sell mm-hmm. them in a the store? Like, probably not, because you're mm-hmm. looking at at least a 75, if not bigger. And there's some. There's and a some... lot of people are always trying to, you know, pawn them yeah. off. But if it was like Mambunas or something like that, I don't yeah. know. They could be horrible creatures themselves. Yeah. But they're much easier to contain. Yeah. It was, it, it was interesting when I was in San Francisco visiting with uh, Zenzo, and we went to some fish stores that, uh, one fish store in particular, they had... You know, just your exotic big fish and shovel nose cats and just all sorts of other fish where it's like, who's the fish keeper keeping this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this, you're, you're not, you can't be selling that many of these no, a week. No, no. Um, like, okay, this upcoming week, I'll, I'll probably have an arowana, I'll have an arowana coming in. And I do sell that occasionally, but do I want to have like six of those coming in every week? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Hopefully, you know, I don't flip it like to the first person coming to the store. Uh, I want it to go home to someone who has a proper setup, and there are those people out there, uh, out there. But it's slim, and that's why I wouldn't want to. Re- I would not want to do uh, monster fish mm-hmm. up here. I- I've seen a pet shop up in this area that used to kind of do it, and doesn't really. It doesn't dur- turn well profit for you, and. and as you probably know, there's a lot of people who want to rehome fish, and that's a hard fish to rehome when you're mm-hmm. you're getting to those big boys that are like three feet and above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely an interesting, you know, fish to keep, and in, in how you know certain the the big box chain stores will sell so many of those. Yeah, it's of that fish. The power thirty, whatever they call it. You know, they take like oh power thirty. I, I think, think it's the power thirty. I read that it's. Kind of like the demise of the mom and pop shops, and then you have now like the, they call it like the power. 30 you know for the reptiles and fish it's like the top selling stuff oh, okay unfortunately some of those top selling stuff are also make horrible animal or horrible pets for people oh, wow. you know, like yeah. if you're gonna go into reptiles like green iguanas it's kind of like the oscar adorably cute when they're like little 10 inch babies coming out of the egg but you know you get to get a male at six feet and he's in, he's, he's in sex mode he's not nice like they will rip your ankles up <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> good times <laughs> But I, I guess I, I guess it would have to be cichlids. Um, and when I was like getting, I'll go back and forth with saltwater, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish we could do saltwater, but that's just a whole another animal. Yeah, I'll fight the tooth and nail on that one. I, I I wouldn't want to do it. there for like three months. I was kind of like, oh, I wish we could do saltwater, but yeah. no, I'd rather do cichlids just because I know that's a market out there. Would you have like a display tank set up of hey, this is what you know a, a planted cichlid tank could look like? like oh, totally. I mean, tank? I keep plants with all my African cichlids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have Valcinaria going in there. I have moss balls. Um, I have like Java fern in there, uh, Nubius, things like that. So they can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Corey's done a few videos on there. So I know there's a few people who claim it can't be done, or maybe they just, in their situation, their fish are just ripping stuff up. But heck, every tank I have has a plant in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that would be kind of cool. You know, a display tank. Yeah, I, th- I think so because I think so many people are used to just seeing. Um, a tank for African cichlids that's just a pile of rocks. Pile of rocks. It's a cookie cutter kind and of look. And maybe a blue background, right, yeah. on the outside of it. And yeah. that's 
and maybe a couple fake plastic plants in there. Yeah. But um, to really do it up in the store and see, like, no, this is this is what this tank looks like day in and day out. And yeah. Like the um, the your it's a seventy five gallon, right? The display tank with the, the yes. planted display yeah. tank that runs no CO two. Correct. Okay, and because and the only thing we're doing on that is what Easy Green and Easy Iron, Easy Green, Easy Iron, yeah. and a three point uh, there's two 3.0s on there okay. just because um, I think just to get a little bit fuller light. I do sure. feel like a 75, sure. you might want to run two 3.0s yeah. if you're doing a lot of plants. Yeah, but what I'm getting at, though, is is we are showing in person, in our store, day in and day out, a tank that would defy convention, right? Like, when yeah. you actually told me that we don't run CO2 on that tank, I was baffled because it's it, it's amazing. Like, the lush growth of this tank is phenomenal and all we're doing is we're using you know easy green easy iron and 3.0s yeah two 3.0s like that and there's two sponge filters on there okay <laughs> yeah two sponge filters for <laughs> filtration um and this tank is 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 awesome you've done a fantastic job of, of keeping yeah. that tank up and it looks yeah it's it's phenomenal and to say hey this is something that you could be successful with at home um you know this is this is something that could look beautiful that anybody could have and you know that kind of philosophy that mentality it, it even carried over to our like our trade show banner that we have for co-op um, where it's you know we basically took an image of uh, of one of our um, I don't know who did the skate but it's just a, a beginner's skate but it's it looks awesome it's got a nubius java fern and some other plants in there uh, a little bit of hardscape but it looks awesome and it's hey this is you know this mm-hmm. is low tech like this is low and tech this is what you could have and I think that same kind of extension to African cichlids of this, you know, this goes against what the internet may tell you. This yeah. goes against what forums may tell you. You can be successful with this, you know, with this setup, with, with something simple and easy. And a little backstory on that tank. So that tank used to be like a whole bunch of stuff. Like when I was a customer there, that tank sometimes was like bow scenario tiger bars. Which I still think to this day it was like one of the coolest setups Corey had running in there. Uh, just the stripes on that barb just looked sweet mm-hmm. with, a, with a, like just a bowed up tank, and then it would kind of occasionally it was housing like a big puffer, and then I think when we were starting to grow into more plants, like when I started working there, uh, it became like a sword collection bin, sword uh, Amazon swords was just in there, and then eventually I think he was like, hey, let's let's get this tank back up to like a little bit of display, but I just want valves and area, <laughs> but I'm always trying to push the limits a little bit <laughs> secretly. And I think I was like, well, I kind of want to like put a snippet of this plant in there. And then sometimes it was stuff like we discontinued, like Sawtooth Hydro just never really did well. Um, at least two years ago, maybe maybe now that you know, business is much more taken off. But it was a kind of plant it needed to go in people's homes pretty quickly. So it'd be like, oh, that plant's getting dropped from our, our product line. Well, I'm going to take that last bit and stick it in there. So that's kind of actually how I built up that whole tank. Oh wow! That was just basically just leavings. Just like, the leavings. Yeah, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like uh, the nose arc of plants. Oh, <laughs> I mean, wow. It was just kind of like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And yeah. next thing I know is this cool, sweet planted tank. And I think it was somebody gave me. Occasionally, I get gifted plants, and that's what that pogostem and erectus, mm-hmm. the one that looks like a horsetail, fluffy yep. thing, and. We're putting it in there, and Corey came in one day. He's like, oh, "I'm digging this tank." I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Everything he didn't want in there is in there now. And then I started putting like some. He wanted just neon tetras in there, and I like oh, I want to throw some corridors. And now I think it looks cool. With a whole bunch of different tetras. It's in there. awesome. Yeah, it is an and awesome tank. It's kind of a tank where we use it as oh that pogo stemmen uh, octopus. Well, this is what it turns into. Um, oh, this is what how big a big neon tetra is. This is what corridors look like in a big tank with a school it's that's what we could kind of use that tank as a reference point and it helps a lot and i know it's certainly inspired a lot mm-hmm. of people 
Just like now, that little three-gallon tank's doing a lot of inspiration. What's the substrate in that tank? Just sand and crushed coral. Just sand and crushed sand coral. Sand and crushed That's coral. That's awesome. So, uh, Which I, defies internet yeah, convention, right? Exactly, defies internet convention, <laughs> but I totally have to agree with Corey. Like, you know, give me whatever substrate, and I will grow a plant. That's why I'd love to do something with, I think the next tank's going to have to be like deep river or shallow creek gravel, so okay. like P-grade gravel, because I feel like I get a lot of customers coming in and like, no, you can't grow anything in that. Mm -hmm. It has to be that expensive bag of fluval or eco-complete. And I'm like, no, man, I think one of the coolest plant tanks we've ever had was, used to be up front, and it was just deep river gravel with like Amazon swords and some crypts and a tiger lotus, and that tank looked banging. It was just awesome with the rummy nose tetras. Oh, that's sweet. So I would love to kind of get that back up in there. So that's something in, in the plan. Mm -hmm. And the the 90 cube, that, that's not running CO2 either, is it? No, I think it used to, but I don't know when. That had to be back before I, I was... Before I started. But not anymore, though. Not anymore. Yeah. And that yeah. uh, that tank is also banging. It's, yeah, you know, that's the, a sand in there, too. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so that that's the other tank I've kind of gussied up. I think a few employees kind of, like, would tweak around with it, but that's mm -hmm. kind of, like, under my watch. But not quite as much as 75. 75 is, like, my baby. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> nice. What is, uh, so as a, as a home hobbyist, what's a fish that's on your bucket list, or what's a setup that, that you want to set up really the bad? next one. Okay. Um... It, okay, so my total unicorn fish, which I want to do before I die, um, it would actually be a marine fish. I would love to keep a shark. Okay. But when people are thinking sharks, if they're, if they're listening to podcasts, maybe they don't really know on the marine sharks. So there's several types. Um, the one I'd want to do is what they call the, I'm probably butchering his name, the benethic Sharks, so they're the ones that sleep pretty much during the day, and they're active at night, and they kind of pretty much just hang out on the ground. Oh, like, benthic. Be uh, benthic. Benthic, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I make up my own words, folks. <laughs> no, no, you were um, close. I just actually, last podcast was uh, Dr. Melissa Gibbs, and she she had to break down benthic for me, because I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the bottom yeah. dwelling, but she so, clarified, yes, it is. So there's the coral cat sharks, and they're, they're those guys, and then you have, like, your standard, what you think of, like, your white tips and, you know, your great whites, whatnot. They're the ones that just basically constantly swim mm -hmm. all the time. I'm not interested in those guys. I'm interested in the in the, the, the bottom guys, and it's specifically the coral banded cat shark, only because the size is I want to say 24 inches is, is average, 28 being about tops from my research. So it's a shark you could put into bare bare minimum would be a 180. Obviously, a bigger tank would be better. I was probably looking at like a 210 or maybe get a custom built. And that I feel like I could fit into a house like fairly easily. Um, I Like the epaulet sharks are a little bit bigger. They're more mm -hmm. commonly found, but those guys are getting to like three and a half feet just so where I just don't feel like I can comfortably keep that. No, this is definitely, I mean, it's a beautiful fish. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, a, it's a cool looking fish. I've got it pulled up here on Google Images. Um, so the coral band, cat shark, and I would probably just do uh, probably like some kind of like large sergeant major damsels, a marine clown, something that obviously the guy's not going to eat. Mm -hmm. um, be like your uh, what we call like a fowler uh, fish tank, solar tank. So that'd be fish only with live rock. Correct. F O W L R. Yeah. So fowlers would be, um, which I would say for anyone getting into saltwater hobby, uh, stick go fowler. Don't don't really go with the corals. I see a lot of people wanting to play corals, but that's a that's a whole new beast of a slippery slope there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually want to have somebody on. I've got uh, 
my, my buddy that was episode zero of the podcast. He's, he's big into saltwater, and I think I may have him come on for a, a saltwater 101 episode, even though I make fun of saltwater all the time and, and say that it's the worst. But, uh, I'll have to listen to that if you, if you, yeah, if you get him back on. Yeah. I'll have to now hunt down that first episode. Well, so, no, that's episode zero. Oh. So that was where, where he and I, where I had basically called him, and I was testing out the recording and testing out my ability to actually conduct an interview. Um, so that's something that... Uh, was never published and I actually think the audio file got corrupted and I lost that episode mm. but yeah if, uh, if I did do a saltwater episode I think I would just have him come on and, and he and I would talk about you know it, it, you know break it down like I'm a like I'm a sixth grader right it's, yeah it's uh, a saltwater setups um, so let's say what's your unicorn setup for freshwater then uh, so I was trying to think of that too uh, probably a cold water tank okay uh, native fish. I love native fish. Um, that is like a little secret passion of mine. Um, so like a properly done native fish setup that would be legal. Native to the Midwest, native to uh, no, Pacific Northwest. Sure. It could be, or it could be European. Um, I would, I, I guess, let me rephrase that. Native most likely would be what I would do, but if it was going to be like a European kind of thing, uh, that'd be fine. Like over in Europe, a lot of people do ponds with like some of the sturgeons. Okay. So there, uh, I, I can't remember the name is it the diamond sturgeon? But there's one that's like three, four feet. So mm-hmm. it's like you could kind of, I'll say quotations here, ear quotations, could keep in an aquarium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would love to do like a cold water setup. And if it was native fish, probably like flyers, um, not necessarily bluegill, but like up here we have the pumpkin seeds. I think a lot of them are like hybrid morphs. Those fish are gorgeous. They are gorgeous. I Those think fish, oh my God. If they kept are... that color pattern 24-7, I feel like that fish would just could dominate the market. Does it drop off that they, color? I, uh, or is it seasonal? Yeah, I think it's mainly the males during about this time of the year mm-hmm. when people get their fishing license renewed and you're catching them. Mm-hmm. That's when they're looking awesome. Uh, during the fall, they, they do subdue it down a little bit, but I think the pumpkin seed is exceptionally cool looking. And they're aggressive. Like, they're, Not, they're, they're like... They're territorial, but I feel like you could keep them with other stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to do your typical community native tank. It's, you know, you got your... Your sunfish, and you have your bullhead catfish, and you might have like your large like chub minnows in there, uh, you know, just because the sunfish can't eat those guys. I need a Google image of chub minnow. But the, there is one I would love to play with, um, and this is the one easier one because a lot of these sunfish, uh, they're big. If you, for those who don't know much about them, a lot of them you get eight to fourteen inches in size. But there's one called the dollar sunfish that comes from Florida, mm-hmm. and they're you know size of maybe your your, your average smartphone. Yeah, this guy right here with the orange, and he's got this kind yeah. of interesting eye spot yeah. so behind, like, the, behind his actual eye. That's a sweet fish. And then it, it, I guess the other kind of unicorn fish I would love to do for a native fish tank, because I've kept these guys before off and on growing up. Oh, really? Uh, would be, you should be looking in there, it's called a pickerel. Oh, boy. Like tripe and grass pickerel or red pin pickerel. So it's basically a there mini version of a pike. Oh jeez! But they don't get much bigger. That's like that's right there. That's full grown. Um, I want to say they're like between 12, 16 inches. Yeah, that does look just like a pike. So it's like you got that kind of mini monster fish, is what I would call it. Uh, but it's something containable. I would say in most households, you, you could easily do that, like in a one eighty or a little bit maybe smaller. So you'd, you'd need to run a chiller for these guys, right? You probably don't need to run a chiller. A lot of the native fish technically don't have to run a chiller because uh, you got to think if it's living in Florida. I mean, the Florida's hot. Oh, okay. 
Uh, but if it's a, like, I feel like if you're catching, like, if you're keeping a bowfin, you would probably want to have a chiller, because I think most of those are from, like, the Great Lake region. Yeah, I was going to say, I just immediately assume, like, if this thing's a, if this thing's a pike, it's coming from the, from the and Great Lakes. Yeah, and I feel like they do dip down. I'd have to look at the temperatures on them, but it's been a while since I kind of read up on these guys. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, and the, the rainbow darter, I mean, that thing yeah. is, that thing is a super pretty fish, too. And we have, um... We've got a pretty good-looking native Pacific fish to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, look at that rainbow darter. That is just... Gorgeous fish right there. That is awesome. Uh, it's the Olympic mud minnow. Okay, so I, I, Corey was talking about that. Yeah, but we can't keep them, though, because they're... Um, I think it's it's protected because it's native. I think it's a pup fish. Yeah, and that's, a, that's the one thing tricky with some of the native fish. It's a lot of it's collected, they're seasonal, uh, and then certainly, like, living here in, say, Washington, you know, we have to make sure it's illegal. Um, yeah, he's got like that killifish vertical tiger pattern kind of striping. Mm -hmm. He's got some like blue iridescence on the top of him. Just real pretty fish. And the fact that it comes from the Olympic Peninsula or in our region. So that's, even, that's why I, I want to play with these because that's something you, you're not going to find those like at any pet shop. I mm -hmm. don't think there's a pet shop in the country. Not necessarily this fish, but I, I don't feel like you're going to see too often like a pumpkin seed at a pet shop. Mm -hmm. I feel like if they're in there, that's usually by accident. They came in on, like, you know, they're goldfish. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have seen certain bullhead catfish available in there, or I've seen, like, gar being sold yeah. from at shops. But I feel like, for the most part, your native fish, or certainly your cold water fish, you're just not going to find those. Yeah. It just, it, it just brought to my mind, like, how cool this hobby is that people can go down so many different rabbit holes mm -hmm. and that you can just have so many different interests or somebody could specialize and just go full full crazy on one aspect of the hobby. And I think what's cool is any of these things, and probably the next thing I'd want to do is do a, a full-on biotope setup. So I always thought mm -hmm. it would be kind of cool was do a biotope setup of like Lake Tanganyika or Malawi, but if you did it also as a paludarium, so you'd also try to find the plants that would go on the outside of there. Huh. So like... That'd be interesting. Yeah, so I don't know if like, I don't know where petunias come from, but maybe they do come from that area. I was like, well, if you had like little petunias hanging out above the water. I like, feel like that'd have to be a big, deep paludarium though. Yeah. But I've seen, I've seen big ones. I've seen uh, one of the pet shops around here, like they, I feel like it's a 75 gallon like paludarium kind of style. 75 include like for the water portion? Maybe of it? not quite the water. The water might be like 40, but it, let's say you're doing Shelly's or something in there. Yeah, because at AGA this past couple weekends ago, they had a very, very large paludarium and it was maybe maybe 40 gallons of water and then you know like three feet of of like terrestrial paludarium yeah like, like <laughs> vertical vertical up um and that thing that thing was a monster yeah and like you're yeah that like that, that becomes i mean and an aquarium is already a piece of furniture in your house as it is but this is like aquariums are furniture i always refer it as a piece of furniture <laughs> yeah it's a it, well, it's a living piece of furniture yeah. yeah where this thing it's like now you're you're basically like hitting the wall like you're hitting yeah. the ceiling like yeah. this thing is now a wall in your house it's it's a piece of furniture that's taken up the wall it's you know you're, you're getting rid of that massive china cabinet that massive china hutch which i don't know how many people have those anymore i think we have one still in our house <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> not uh, i think it's something that's probably phasing out of our, our of our interior decorating tastes but like it's it's just massive like that. So. Yeah. So I, I've seen like the huge custom built paladin. Mm -hmm. So I guess I would say is, I think it'd be freaking sweet. But do it. Yeah. Would, absolutely. Would be like, yeah. and I don't know what you do because I feel like if you're like you could easily do it with South American. Like yeah, I can just totally have tropical stuff mm -hmm. and have the Amazon tree bow or the red eye tree frog hanging up there. I feel like you could do Asia style. But I I was like, man, I think it'd be cool as heck. 
to do like the Rift Valley Lake style. Because I think you could do a Congo version easily. You know, mm-hmm. Imagine have your show night puffer under there and you mm-hmm. have whatever, you know, creatures on, like chameleons hanging out above. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like with the with the Rift Lakes, though, isn't it just kind of shoreline and grass? Like, I don't know if it's all that... Like, I don't know that, if they have... That's the thing. I don't fully know on what hangs out. I, I think it is... What I've seen pictures, it's definitely tree line is... I feel like 20 yards back from the lake. And mm-hmm. it's certainly sandy shoreline and areas. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe maybe, maybe you take off, the, take off like the zoo does. You know, how they have those, like, essentially the paladarms when you walk mm-hmm. in and they have the, the ocean shorebirds. Maybe you have... Interesting. Like some kind of flightless parrot or something. <laughs> what's it? What's what's something like a fish species or a fish type that you just don't get? That you're just like no, like I just don't understand what. The, and, not, and not that you're gonna poo poo on it, but like um, just you okay. just don't get it. That's a good question because I definitely could name my coworkers ones. <laughs> <laughs> like they're like I don't get it. Oh, is it the blind tetra? Oh no, because that's that's just like a weird oddball fish. Like who wouldn't want some kind of mutant freak? nature created fish that's been built for a cave uh so i, I know caitlin for example doesn't get goldfish okay and she doesn't quite get the libraries and i think nick doesn't get puffers but i i could tell i have a love and respect for all those i'm trying to think he works at the co-op and he doesn't like, like puffers. puffers oh yeah. man we got it yeah. did we did we screen him for that i thought i feel like uh, that's yeah. question number one when we when think, we bring people on is he's he like gone tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I think he's still like getting on the puffers. Man, that's a good question. What fish do I not get? Because I played with it all, and because uh, for for me it's the Asian arowana. Arowanas in general. But see, I like the Asian. So, okay, the Asian so I like arowana. the Asian arowana only because the, I think the color stuff's cool, and because since we only get the silver arowana, and unfortunately, silver arowana is not the greatest fish to send someone and, home with. And it's and it's one of those the Asians, the one that you should anyone should be able to keep if they want an arowana. But I think we're so fascinated with it because we can't have it. Yeah. Um, I just but I just don't get this fish that just swims back and forth yeah. at the top of the water, I, like it's only using that one part of the water column. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Man, that, that's a tough one to think. Uh, well, there's certainly some cichlids I just don't get. Like what? tilapias. Most of the tilapias I don't really like understand like why you want to get it. It looks like a mud fish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the monster fish. Okay, okay, because I had one that I liked. So the wolf fish would be mm-hmm. an example. I had the rainbow wolf fish. Unfortunately, hopped out of a tank under a windstorm here, and my cats, when they were allowed into oh, that no. room, spooked them. And they, they wolf fish are jumpers. And he arced out of probably like the little area where I had to hang on the back filter. Right. Uh, but that guy is a fish you can keep in a 40 breeder or a little bit smaller. Uh, but then the rest of his little cousins are going to be much bigger. And I think the um, there's like the common mudfish. It's what Corey and I would dub as a brown turd fish. It's actually called the, the common mudfish. Common mudfish. Mud but there's, there's a big one. And I, and I have a friend who had one. Um, I, I can't remember. I'm spaced on the name, but they get six feet and they eat like caimans. Oh my goodness! And it's like oh, that's that's a monster fish, but I don't get it. Yeah, peacock bass, I don't get. Yeah, peacock bass, I could get that one. I just feel like if you really want a bass, just you could have one out from the lakes around here. <laughs> <laughs> but just keeping bass is like they're little pack mans. They just want to constantly eat, and I just I feel like no one keeps something like that long. Mm-hmm. Do you get axolotls? I, I think that little smiley face on them is cute. Um, <laughs> I think I think from an evolutionary standpoint, they're a fascinating fish. I like salamanders. Fa- a fascinating creature, um, but I just don't get. I, I don't. I don't get the keeping of an axolotl. 
I, I don't mind them. I, like I said, I grew up like playing with amphibians and reptiles, so mm-hmm. like there's like that's always like probably my number. Like, is I guess it, it's an amphibian, right? Or is it, is it an, no? It's amphibian. It's amphibian. Okay. Uh, I guess deep at heart, I'm probably more of a reptile amphibian guy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm fi- fish is certainly in the past few years is the thing that's been taken off. Even though fish has always been in my life, but I probably I guess at, at home I'm still like the reptile number one guy. Mm-hmm. It's just I found that. Fish tanks, setting up fish tanks, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with fish tanks. I feel like keeping a snake, it's like, yep, that's a tank with aspen shavings and your hide hut and your water bowl. Yep, that's another cool snake, same setup, kind of boring looking. Maybe I can make it into a little bit of terrarium, but I'm lazy and I'm not going to make it look really sweet. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a fish tank, I put time into it, that fish tank looks way different than that fish tank. These fish are way different from that fish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I think the fish have kind of taken over and why I've really gotten yeah. deep into it. One of the, one of the topics I want to hit on um, in a future podcast is I need to find somebody that um, can really represent and talk about the um, psychological and kind of calming benefits of fish tanks. Mm, right? Right. Like why they're in doctor's offices, why yeah. they're in these public places. Like what, what is it about? Like what's the research that's been done um, around the calming the calming. Um, uh, benefits of a fish tank and I have a customer who has it like that and I've also had a few prospect customers for some interesting areas so one of them a, a guy um, he's a marriage counselor and he has the he has a discus tank in there and he's he oh, loves nice. he loves having the discus tank because he can see one in his office in his office that's awesome where they uh, the clients look at it while they're getting you know they're pouring out their deepest emotions and hatred and feelings out and he says uh, you can see one one's doing that, the other one's staring at the fish tank, and you can see that, I guess they kind of relax once they're kind of watching those discus doing their thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, schooling, which is just an amazing sight. I've caught it a few times in the store. Usually when we're closed, I'm doing my fish order. The discus kind of chill out, and they'll start doing their little school and following around each other. Yeah. And it's a cool sight. It's, yeah. Um, and then I had another guy came in, and I never really followed up. I'm guessing he, it was probably got denied, but he worked for a juvenile store state pen and he wanted to get a fish tank in their cafeteria for the kids to look at and and you know have mm-hmm. he knew that there would be some benefits benefits yeah. for it yeah i mean I, i've had one snake before and i just yeah I, I can't imagine that there's any academic paper out there citing the the psychological <laughs> stress relief benefits of like staring at a at a terrarium of or a staring at a snake frog or, yeah no you don't you don't get it on there it, um, I keep them for other reasons, um, and I say that and I, I've kept, I've, I've had um, bearded dragons before, mm-hmm. and I actually recently went to a local, um, like a pet expo, Pacific Northwest Pet Expo that we had, and I did get a critter. I don't want to say what it is here. Maybe I'll talk about it some other time. But it's a cool, you got little, a cool critter, cool little lizard critter that <laughs> Robert we're pretty, approved. That, <laughs> Robert approved. That we're we're pretty excited about. But uh, I mean, it, it is kind of neat that you can physically interact with them right like it's mm-hmm. not something you just i'm not going to just walk around all day and you long can make with a cool thing. setup for that so like that's not something like a boring yes yes aspen bedding but that that being said though you know this this is kind of a nocturnal creature um you're not going to get the benefit of like i just don't think that the same psychological benefit will be there even with this particular lizard creature, oh, totally. right? this reptile, uh, as it would be with a fish tank. There are a lot of times I'm like, I'll be brushing my teeth or something, and I'm watching like one of my fish tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I can stare out and just zone out at one of my fish tanks for like an hour if I yeah. want to. Yeah. Um, I can't do that with the reptiles. Certainly, I think with the reptiles, I love more like the research on them. 
mm-hmm. and like finding the coolest like all right what's the next kind of coolest thing I, I actually probably found that more enjoyable now than actually sometimes keeping them and mm-hmm. I just I just I, I just I watched. came to accept that so now that's my thing I go home I just like to like read on something I just watched a little short maybe maybe we'll just conclude with this because we're hitting you know we're over an hour now and you know I thank you for coming on but uh, I watched a little short online of uh, about Snake Island. Are you oh. familiar with Snake Island? Uh, it's like 30 miles off the coast of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And it's the most dangerous island because okay. it's just nothing but these um, these vipers. Like this super, it's like the number eight most talk, most venomous um, uh, snake on the planet, the most dangerous yeah. snake on the planet. And so they took this crew there because it was uh, along with research and they're there to um, get the snakes, document how many they're catching sizes, and then ultimately to milk them for their... Um, for their venom, right? To do all sorts of, you know, antidotes and uh, um, what is it, like health, uh, like heart, stuff. heart yeah. medicines and stuff. I think Lipitor comes from death adders. Oh wow, yeah. So, so would you go there? Like, if you had the opportunity, because the Brazilian <laughs> government is incredibly strict on who gets to go uh, there. No, because I don't want to die. Um, <laughs> so your so your love for snakes and it it's more for like garter snakes, bull snakes, rat snakes, something that's like yeah, they're I could handle. I don't really get the ke- venomous keeping. That. Okay. I don't understand. So you can't keep venomous snakes in this state, can you? Not anymore. You could have them if you're a grandfathered in. They outlawed them like 15 years ago. That seems just like a smart thing to do. It's a smart not, thing to do. <laughs> I'm not much for for the government. You know, in, including a ton of legislation. There's some in the canine world that I think we need some government legislation. Um, in this reptile world, though, it's I, I like the the keeping of venomous snakes and like. Being able to go online and buying an alligator. Mm-hmm. Like, those seem like things that... Like, when it's something like eats people or, like... Yes. It could... Yeah, it, it's venom drops, like, the equivalent of 200 humans. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, if that thing gets out and, like, you're in an apartment, I mean, that sounds like a terrible idea to me. As opposed to, like, my ball python escaped. Like, what's in danger? The rat, probably, in your apartment. Could... Okay, so anything that you keep, could it take down a chihuahua? And I can, okay, so I made that rule. I used to keep some stuff. Uh, <laughs> I used to actually play some reticulated pythons for a while. And I made a new rule. This is one day I kind of woke up like, it can't hurt me. And Those are like just, the 20-footers. Yeah, if you got mainlands. I was playing with super dwarfs, so they stayed much smaller. And I just realized, like, I don't want to die. And I don't want to have, like, my cats. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a secretly a cat guy. <laughs> I can't have my cat being eaten. So it, basically anything that could cause harm to me or a cat, it had to get out of my house. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so. that's, that, that's, yeah, it's just, you, you know, you're going to bring this thing into your home, and if it gets out, and, and snakes are escape artists, yep. like, your small children, your small animals may be a well, danger. Like, that's that's a scary and thing. And I've known, uh, with, with venomous stuff, it, it's, uh, it's not if, it's when. When is it going to hit you? That's the word that kind of comes up on that kind of stuff. It's like it's not if it, you're going to get hit, struck so, at one point. At so, some point. So now, is it like a is it a minority of the states allow you to have venomous snakes, or is it like I, I would imagine I would, it's on the decline? I would assume so. I uh, definitely uh, I think Usark is the one that like fights for like the reptile legislation in, in favor for the keepers. So they're always fighting against some new county. Uh, you know, it's banning stuff. So I'd say very much uh, it's it's getting harder to keep uh, dangerous reptiles. 
So um, whether it's venomous or it could potentially constrict you. <laughs> Man, that is that is crazy. All right, Robert, well, uh, thank you very much for coming on. This has been a fantastic, fun conversation. And, you know, I hope people that, uh, that they get a chance to tune in and actually watch you do unboxings. Now they've got a little bit more of a behind the scenes on, on who you are and why you're an awesome person and why I'm glad that uh, I can call you a friend. So thanks for coming on. Thank you.